In this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, I interview Esther Knight, co-founder and CEO of Fanfare Label. We talk about circular business models for fashion and why ethical fashion is important. Welcome back to the Sustainable Fashion Podcast. I'm really excited about today's interview. We've got Esther Knight, co-founder and CEO of Fanfare. And um, yeah, so Esther, it's so great to have you with us um, on the podcast. I'm really excited to share all that you do with our listeners. Would you like to just introduce yourself and a little bit about Fanfare and all the amazing stuff that you've been doing in regards to sustainability and circularity? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Esther Knight um, and I founded Fanfare Label a couple of years ago. So Fanfare Label is a sustainable women's wear clothing brand really focused on uh, protecting both people and the environment and we are a circular uh, business which means that we um, take clothing and textile wastage that would have gone to landfill and repurpose it into new clothing as well as creating clothing that can be biodegraded at end of life and ensuring that we're closing the loop um, and ensuring nothing ends up on landfill. That's amazing. Um, I love upcycling and all that kind of stuff. And the, the whole point of the Global Fashion Marketplace, the work we do is kind of help brands to innovate and um, reduce waste. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be um, really interested in hearing what you've got to say about your journey and, and how you built this amazing business. So, um, yeah, so thinking about your past experience in the fashion sector, um. You were a buyer for like high street and designer fashion brands. So I've got a question about that. So um, I understand you worked in the industry for over a decade. And part of that time, you worked closely with Vivian Westwood. So he's quite an activist when it comes to climate change. How did this impact your perspective on the fashion industry and influence your own activism? Yeah, of course. So yeah, I worked. I worked at Vivian Westwood. Yeah, and, um, uh, but it, it's I didn't work directly with herself. Um, but obviously, working for the company, the company shares the same visions and values as Vivian Westwood. And actually, what you see is what you get. Um, she is as activist. She is as for the environment as it is that as what is portrayed in the media. Um, She's been campaigning for human rights and the environment since before anyone else, decades ago. And so she's always been an advocate for doing what's right in fashion um, and in the wider uh, the wider context, to be honest, as well. Um, she's very activist. She's very anti, um, anti-establishment, anti um government and and various things as well and and with that um because um she often um is very valid in her points in especially when it comes to climate change and the environment she's been speaking about it before anybody else and really you can't you can't really ignore what she said um everything sustainability has become a hype it's become um uh, it's not a trend because it's a must but it's 
it's become a topic of area that we're speaking about more and more. And we're saying the same things that Vivian Westwood has been saying for the last 15 years. She's ahead of the curve, but not because she, um, not because it is seen as a trend, but because she actually cares about making a difference. So that's why I moved there because I'm learning from the person that started it all and, and has been campaigning for, for, um, human rights and the environment since day one and and really you cannot work for Vivian Westwood and not care about the same same issues that she does and she's very um educated and knowledgeable about these aspects and and always has been yeah so did that influence your decision um, I'm going to go more into like your journey a little bit so was that was that a starting point of on educating you about sustainability and and part of your decision-making process because you mentioned that you worked with high street brands as well yeah um so it wasn't like part of my decision-making process because I, I already knew about sustainability which is why I moved to Vivian Westwood really um I'd seen firsthand the issues within high street fashion I didn't want to contribute and to the fashion industry unless it was in a positive manner and that's why I decided to move to Vivian Westwood okay. to it, um, don't get me wrong, she taught me so much more, but I already cared about sustainable fashion. I already wanted to set up my own um, uh, fashion label that wasn't with high designer price points and that made sustainability more accessible. And I went to Vivian Westwood because I wanted to contribute positively to the um, to the industry and grow my experience. So so she wasn't a deciding factor in starting my business. Um, I'd already know I was going to do that, but um, she definitely helped educate and fill some knowledge gaps that weren't there that's amazing yeah I just wanted to get that clarity and like understand what what that experience was like for you and um, yeah so yeah. I wanted to think, yeah yeah I wanted to think a little bit more about circular fashion business models and um like the move towards a circular economy so as you as you mentioned we both agreed earlier that waste is a huge issue when it comes to sustainable fashion and it needs to be tackled so can you explain how circular fashion business models um, tackle this and how you do it in your business? So um, just to break down for anyone that doesn't understand like how to make this um, fashion more sustainable, there's this idea of the circular economy, there's this idea of circular business, and I know that's what you do. So just like how does that tackle um, the issue and how do you do that in your business for the layman? Like if someone... It's not a fashion expert and they're listening, they want to build a um, circular business or a more sustainable business. What, how would you explain that? How would you describe that and, and how do you do that? Yeah, of course. So um, circularity is all about um, designing out waste. So creating product that isn't going to be waste at an end of life. And um, we see a lot of um, particularly man-made fabrics and um, synthetic fibers. They don't don't actually biodegrade. And so people think, oh, I'm going to throw this away or I'm going to give this to a charity shop and or um there is actually no away and everything it does end up in landfill and yeah. that means that if things don't biodegrade we're just piling up and piling up and piling up and nothing is getting done about it a circular economy is considering the end of life of a garment so making sure that um it can biodegrade that there is a closed loop system. So you're actually designing out the wastage element. So a normal model 
and linear model for production is um, take, make, use and waste. A circular economy is focused on take, make, use and then looking at what you can do at the end of the life of that product. So can you repair it? Can you reuse it, repurpose it, recycle it, um, rent it? And it's about looking at all these different business models to prolong a piece of clothing's lifespan to ensure it doesn't end up in landfill and to design out that waste element. And if anyone wants to hear more about that, just head over to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation because that's where yeah. everything that I've said is, is from there. And, and so that's what we focus on at Fanfare Label is making sure that we're following that system of ensuring that we don't, we we have half of our collection that tackles fashion wastage problems that already exist from other companies so we take um clothing and textile wastage that would have ended up on landfill that have been created by other brands and repurpose it so that we're prolonging clothing's lifespan i couldn't justify setting up a sustainable business without tackling what's already been produced and the idea that we don't need newness all of the time so we just need to be more resourceful with what we've already created so half of the collection is focused on that the other half of the collection links into the circularity element because any new production um clothing that we produce we um we design with the end of life of that product in mind so whether that is whether we can repurpose it recycle it upcycle it or uh, biodegrade it that's amazing. I really love that you're tackling both sides of that. Um, you mentioned about um, biodegradable. Um, we, we had a talk recently about is biodegradable even an option? So it's quite interesting, like when you say about circularity, um, the end result would be biodegradable. That should be the last option. Everything should go yeah. around and, and be used. And then if not, if it's reached the end of days, then then it should be biodegradable. So I would very, very that. last option, yes. Yeah, exactly. I love that you're tackling both sides of that. So like if we're looking at that um, and we're thinking about sustainable fabric innovation, um, when we're thinking about new fabric innovations, um, hemp is being put forward as one of the most sustainable fabrics with a more positive impact on the environment. What are your thoughts on new plant-based options um, when we think about biodegradable as well and um, why is it taking so long to push these um, alternatives into the market at scale? Yeah, I mean, well, natural is the best way forward, um, isn't it? And and actually anything that is natural and not man-made is, is the most effective option. I actually really like linen as well because linen is one of the most, weight, um, it's a zero waste plant because every aspect of that plant is used in the manufacturing of um, of the fibre. And so, and then that also means because it is natural, it does biodegrade um, a lot quicker than a lot of other fabrics as well. The whole plant is used and it's a really um, low um, low emissions fabric to produce and um, similar to hemp. And to be honest, I, I, can't, I don't really know the answer to why it's taken so long for these um, kind of, well, obviously linen's been a lot around a heck of a long time, but we're only now seeing the infrastructure in the sustainable fabric developments and, and yeah. it's become a keyword, a buzzword that we're hearing all of, all of the time. But I, I mean, from my own point of view, I started to, care, I started to research and 
um, educate myself on sustainability eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago. So the fact yeah. that a, a decade later, we're now looking at, at the infrastructure of the fab, uh, the um, fabrications and the manufacturing, I don't really know how it's taken that long. And for people working in that space, I, I, I always question, like, if I if I knew about sustainability and I could, um, if I knew that it was a must and it needed to be changed and we needed to be acting responsibility responsibly as a newly graduated student, how come people in industry haven't had that same thought process with years of ex experience behind them? And so I don't know why it's taken so long, um, but it's just it's it's good that we started to make the pro uh, start um, making the process towards a more positive future. Um, but again, it's it, it is there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, definitely. I think um, from conversations I've had before. And that's why I asked the question just to get your perspective as well. But it might be like plastic based, like um, oil and gas industries are kind of very influential. So plastic is a byproduct from the, the petroleum industry and polyester is like really widely used. Um, yeah. But maybe that is that is the thing. The industry is just not being incentivized to, to make those changes and having these um, alternative um man-made fabrics is just a byproduct of a really powerful industry that obviously is not really changing very fast that that could be a solution or a reason yeah yeah of course yeah 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 so um I love the I love the work that you do and um I want to ask a little bit about upcycling um the upcycling movement so I, I know it's increasing in popularity and that's all about reusing repurposing and recycling clothing so what are the major challenges with upcycling and can this really become a solution that is rolled out on a global scale so I do have like a bit of a network with like upcyclers that are kind of independent brands and, and brand owners that do one-off pieces and stuff like that but as an industry solution to become a circular economy can this be scaled up what are your thoughts on that and um yeah, so that's the first the first half of the question because I know you deal with that. So, what what are your thoughts on like scaling up globally this whole upcycling industry? Yeah, um, I mean it it depends what product you're focusing on, um, and as to whether it's scalable. Um, obviously it's not as scalable as new production, but it's it's so much better than than producing new production. I think that um. If you're doing similar shapes and similar designs then you can scale it it just might be that each one might be slightly different and um, so for example if you're um upcycling jumpers and sewing them together you can still use the same patterns the same structure the same style they just each look a bit differently and it's about finding new ways of being innovative in terms of photography and um and new business models that it's just a it's a testing period of time where we're, we're going through the the fashion industry is going through revolution um revolutionary change and yeah. we're in this period where we're just we're testing everything and and upcycling yes it um it, it can still be profitable and it still can be scalable it just depends depends on what kind of product areas that people are focusing on yeah that's really interesting I love that optimism I, I I'm exploring with um some of our 
um, upcyclers, um, different ways of scaling. So it's good to get your um, perspective on that. Um, so just a, another thought on the same on the same topic, and it's about the circular economy for fashion. So how do we build a global infrastructure? Because obviously fast fashion and the linear economy has like a structure um, that, that supports it. Like, do you have any thoughts on like the, the structure, like maybe in the sense of scaling your business or replicating your business? What do you do in your business that is circular? Do you see like an infrastructure there to like build a circular economy for fashion? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's still a lot of research that's going on in this area. So like, uh, particularly from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, they're currently researching how to make a fully circular gene um, and things like that. I think that it, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty, but with a lot of uncertainty comes a lot of uh, potential. And we're just in this research process. I think that um, you can scale up circularity by you just using using natural fibers and ensuring that we're prolonging the clothing's lifespan and, and that we're designing clothes that are maybe multi-wear, multi-purpose, seasonless. It's just about promoting longevity of items and just not thinking about anything as being disposable. That is yeah. the circularity mindset. And, and you can do that with normal product as long as you're using natural fibers and, and things that you're considering each aspect of every garment. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you use the word mindset so, because I really believe that it does start with the mind and the attitude that you actually want to do this and have that make those decisions. And then the, the support and infrastructure from, I would say, from consumers making those decisions and deciding that they want those type of products that will push the industry forward to, to build what the consumers are demanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, um, partnering with, I believe you're partnering with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, um, or you know, you have some information about partnering with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At the Global Fashion Marketplace, we partner with goal number 12, which is responsible consumption and production. So we're really interested mm -hmm. in um, consumers' behaviour in regards to fashion. Um, like I mentioned um, just in my previous comment, and also the responsible production side of things. So um, what goals are you aligned with and when it comes to the sustainable development goals and why is it important for fashion brands to take action on this and how do you practically implement these into your business? So maybe you can like just do a brief explanation of what the goals are and then how you implement it into your business and like, any advice for fashion brands that are interested in these goals. Yeah, uh, well, the UN Sustainable Development Goals are just set across um, industries to ensure that we're protecting people and planet. And in summary, and um, and if you go onto their websites, you'll be able to see a breakdown of all of those goals. And uh, we have a page on our website as well about which goals that we focus on. Um, uh, the responsible consumption um, is obviously one of them, but we do focus on other social impact ones and women empowerment um, goals and things. And really, it's a case of um, setting them as a basis. So it's it's that they're our value system. So when we're setting up a company, 
all the decisions we're making are based on our values and our values are based on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So they're all intertwined within the company. As well, it's a case of when you're writing your business plan or you're developing your business, I had the goals on one side of my screen and my business plan on the other because these goals form my business and they form my business plan and therefore they um, inform my operations so it's a case of just considering them with each of our each of our decision making so when it comes to the responsible consumption goal um, we're we're doing that through our circularity and and encouraging our customers to promote longevity and and cherishing pieces and then when it comes to women empowerment, that focuses on the charities that we work with, plus the social impact um, factories that we work with. So, so it's every decision is based on these goals and we just work as best we can. Obviously, not, as, uh, not every there isn't a single business that's 100% sustainable, but we, they are our value system and we use them to form our decisions. Yeah, amazing. I love that you. I love that you um, said that it's a framework to build to support your business plan. I think that's what all um, businesses need to be doing, like reviewing their business plan against those goals and seeing where. Or if you're starting starting your business, definitely look at those goals and see where you can align your values with with them. It's very useful. Yeah. We push push people forward um, and push the whole sustainable movement forward. If people could. Um, embrace that so um the idea of reduce reduce consumption because i know you you mentioned responsible consumption so the idea of reduced consumption or limited consumption concerns many producers and that the the idea that livelihoods would be affected is something that i often hear when discussing Mm -hmm. fashion so how do you make the shift from an industry that demands more um to to an industry that is satisfied with less for both consumers and producers and so at the moment we, we demand more but how do we shift yeah. to that low and less lifestyle for both consumers and producers well i think it's more um just again just cherishing and valuing things from from the consumer mindset it's actually just um just slowing down and making considered purchases so uh, this is a vivian westwood phrase where it's um um buy to last so buy things that stand the test of time that are going to be um be in your wardrobe for multiple years choose well so choose items that are timeless and that are seasonless that can be styled multiple ways um, and just consider your purchases so um supporting sustainable brands and and looking at ways that you can support good business so from a consumer perspective it's just not thinking about anything as being disposable and just considering each purchase more more in detail and taking things a bit more slower um, from a producer's perspective, if we're um, paying, um, from from my point of view, obviously I'm not a huge, a huge, huge organisation, but if we start paying people properly, and yes, we're reducing our consumption down, and and the amount of clothing we're producing will will decrease, but actually. what should be increasing at the same time is paying people properly uh, valuing employees valuing producers more and both of you on a collaborative um 
scale, you start um, looking at more sustainable ways to to produce because we we just cannot produce the amount of clothing that we're still doing. It, 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 and we can't um, allow consumption to go up. We're in a landfill crisis at the moment where we just t- uh, people are just wearing things and then throwing them away after a couple of wears because clothing is made to last a couple of wears. But actually, we, we do need to slow down as an industry, and, and that is a must. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I even heard in a conversation, um, another conversation I had, someone mentioned that... Um, apparently there's 10 years worth of garments already produced on this planet so if we stop producing this year then there will still be 10 years worth of garments for everybody yeah it's crazy Crazy. I don't know I don't know where that fact came from but it was just mind-boggling when I heard it so I just thought I'd share it with you that's like that's 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 really food for thought yeah so you mentioned about um ethics your ethics as well being aligned with the sustainable development goal so I just wanted to um yeah so ethics are definitely a key part of sustainability so if we say we're looking at the balance between people planet and profit um you mentioned from your experience in the fashion industry you, you didn't want to compute contribute to the negative impacts anymore so can you just share a bit more about your experience with fashion ethics and um what you're doing to combat negative practices? so I know you um, connected with some charities and things like that I just want you to talk a bit more about that because I think some people think that sustainability is just eco-friendly so this ethical part of things is definitely um, a key point that you mentioned I just want you to talk a little bit more about that yeah so I think that the social side is is as important as the environmental side and they should be considered equally because there's people are making our clothes and they're suffering as a result and and no one should be um subject to to the injustices that happen um for the sake of a t-shirt or a dress it's just not worth it and particularly myself from working in industry this is something that i witnessed firsthand is that um I'll be on the phone to suppliers and they're still at work at 3am in the morning and things because of the amount of pressure we're putting them under and and negotiating ridiculous price points and things that they can't manage. And that's when corner cutting comes in in to play and lack of health and safety. And and it's it's just a really toxic, toxic environment. And this idea where we're empowering one one person but exploiting another because we're just not paying the amount that we should be paying for the clothing that's being produced um so it was just finding out all about that and the child labor the slavery aspect the factory collapses i i heard a story that um actually 300,000 cotton farmers in india alone have committed suicide because of the uh, cotton industry and that is the biggest waves of suicide in human history and and that's for cotton and it's it's just crazy when you when you look into the facts and I don't want to depress everybody and um, but there's there's another fact that there was a factory disaster in Bangladesh um, and uh, garment workers were forced to carry on working despite the um, building catching fire because they were late on an order and they would have been penalized um, which meant that they wouldn't have made enough money. And this is for a company that turns over $32 million a year. And they, they're putting their workers through this. And so 
it just can't be ignored. And and so that was one of the first first things that I noticed about why things needed to change. And so we're just really focused on local production and doing things well. Um, we, we have a few social initiatives where we work with a um, the London College of Fashion um, and they have a scheme with women in prisons where they teach them um, sewing techniques and, and pattern making and things to get them a qualification so that when they uh, get released, they can actually get into employment. And we also work with various other women empowerment initiatives, as well as anti-slavery charities. We help uh, fundraise with them and to eradicate slavery from fashion supply chains. So it's not just about for us producing fairly, but it's, it's looking at ways that we can contribute to the communities in which we work in a positive manner. That's amazing. Um, I just love like the, the fact that you can share so honestly about the, the grim truth about fashion and like be so clear about why you just didn't want to be part of that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening like that work in the fashion industry are familiar with the things that you're speaking about. And, and those that are not in the fashion industry may be like surprised to, to, to hear some of this stuff. But then that's why everyone should be engaging in sustainability and engaging in this conversation because it's so important. Mm. So I've got one final question. Um, yeah, so I've just I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I wish we could like have a part two or something like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, being an advocate for sustainability is a difficult but important role. So um, consumers now are more conscious, and um change takes time so what impact has the pandemic had on sustainability in the fashion industry and are we on the cusp of that change what are your thoughts on that yeah I would say we're on the cusp of the change I think the pandemic pandemic has accelerated the move towards sustainability but we've still got a heck of a long way to go I think that people are starting to learn about it more and um, companies are starting to really consider it and and we, we are definitely on the cusp of the change I think for the first time um customers could see firsthand what fast fashion companies are doing to their suppliers so we we saw all of the um brands cancelling orders and refusing to pay for garments that had already been produced and for people that were new to sustainability this they, they were starting to realize because they were seeing all of these things happen right in front of their eyes and also the fact that the climate recovered from us slowing down and, and various um, aspects, it just made things a bit more tangible um, because yeah. there's a lot of talk about sustainability and not much doing, but for the pandemic, the pandemic made that subject a little bit more tangible for people to physically see. Um, so I think that that accelerated the change, um, but I still think we've got a heck of a long way to go. Yeah, um, I love that. And I I think that optimism, again, that small bit of optimism is what we need. Um, I love everything that you're doing at Fanfare. I love all the initiatives, all the ethical stuff, the sustainable stuff. It's just amazing work. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just, no worries, no worries. Um, I'm just wrapping up now. So I just wanted to find out about Fanfare. If people are saying that they want to make a difference, then they need to know where to shop. 
So knowing where to find fanfare and maybe if someone wants to do to connect with you directly and speak more like where would you direct them um, to find out more about fanfare and yourself? Yeah, of course. So um, make sure that you um, follow us on social media. So it's at Fanfare Label and then also on our website as well. So that is fanfarelabel.com. Amazing. So thank you, Esther. So this is the Sustainable Fashion Podcast. We've been speaking to Esther Knight, co-founder and CEO of Fanfare Label. It's been such a pleasure. I'm really in awe of everything that you're doing and I really hope we can have more conversations with you and share your wisdom and guidance for our sustainable community. And yeah, I'm I'm Bacola Dagloke and this is Sustainable Fashion Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. Um, Thank you.